Welcome to the Future Financial Planners podcast, brought to you by the Financial Planning Association of Australia. Whether you're a student, a graduate, or an early career advisor, join us as we dive into the ins and outs of becoming a financial planner. I'm your host, Azaria Bell, bringing you tips from the experts on career strategy, sanity, and success. Today's episode is focused on the careers available in the financial planning industry outside of just being a financial planner. I'll be joined by Ben Willard, Head of Phone and Virtual Advice at Aware Super, who has held a number of positions over the last 20 years and worked with many advisors of diverse career backgrounds. We discuss the roles you generally look for when graduating university, and we get into the nitty gritty of roles such as power planning, management, compliance, and much more. Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Sarah. Great to be here. Now, for this episode, I really wanted to have a talk to you about the different careers that are available in financial planning. We've talked a lot about being a financial planner in this series, um, but I know for yourself, Ben, you've had quite a diverse uh, career so far. So could you start off by telling us how you started in the industry and what you're doing now? So I started in the industry a long time ago now, 1999, and I started in client services for one of Australia's biggest insurance groups. It was NRMA at the time, now IAG, Um, and that was straight after leaving university. I didn't quite know exactly where I was heading, but knew it was going to be in the financial service industry, and then got some exposure to financial planners through that and become really focused on forging out a career in advice, um, became a financial advisor for a number of years, and then various management roles through Aware Super, which was formerly State Super Financial Services. Awesome. So you had experience as a financial planner and now you're working in management. What was your reasoning behind doing that? So I worked for about six years as a financial advisor and we had a great program where we developed what we called then trainee advisors into full financial planners. And then an opportunity came up, it wasn't one I was necessarily seeking, an opportunity came up to lead one of our smaller offices, our Tamworth office. And my thinking at the time was, you know, I was effectively one-to-one with clients and I could help more people by being a, a leader within advice and, and leading financial advisors. So that's how the, the leadership career took off back in 2006. Awesome. And I was just chatting to you before about how when I was in university and the people that I've spoken to who studied financial planning, there's a big emphasis on becoming a financial planner, but there's, a, there's actually a, a large number of roles out there. So in your experience, I know that you just mentioned that you started out working in client services and the many advisors that you've worked with. What are the kind of roles that they're doing before they become a financial planner? Yeah. So look back back then, uh, even then there were there were entry requirements to become a financial advisor and they've only increased over the years with the FASEA requirements and the professional year. So it's very difficult, obviously, you know, not only possible to jump straight from university into a financial advice role. So you need something in between that gives you the exposure to clients, the technical aspects, the compliance and regulatory areas. And my foray was via client services. You know, others have taken paths through either power planning or compliance, but there are certainly some some good roles where you can increase your experience and exposure to advice and um, the people providing advice that can mentor you and, and help you and, and help you accelerate your career. And I'll just encourage everybody to have a think about their skill sets and what that might lend itself to. You know, if you're someone that likes engaging with clients on a regular basis, that client service 
area might be something that appeals to you. If you're someone that has that technical desire and you know really want to get into the nitty-gritty of the technical aspects of advice, then power planning might be a path that people want to take. Yeah, absolutely. I know for me, when I started in financial planning, I went straight from uni to an associate role. And although that seemed good at the time because I was going straight to meetings with clients, I never had that power planning experience or that client services experience, which meant that if I were to ever start my own business um, and I had to go and lodge an insurance application, for example, I didn't actually have that background to be able to do that. So I think there's huge value in starting out from client services, maybe power planning and building your way up to becoming a financial planner. We've got to agree with that. And the way that I like to think of it, it's, um, it's like building a house and having exposure to those type of roles is ensuring that the foundations are really solid and you're, you're building a solid foundation to springboard into a, an advice provision space. But you, you do need that sort of base level of understanding typically to move into that sort of role and, and well done for jumping straight into an associate role. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, but you know, for most people, I think that client service or power planning exposure would, would be the most trod path. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I've now gone back and got that experience and I do feel a lot more confident now. But yeah, for those who are finishing uni and looking for those roles, they're probably looking for uh, the title of client services officer or power planner. But I, I did want to mention as well, for those roles, I know many people who they don't see those roles as stepping stones to becoming a financial planner. They actually see those roles as careers in themselves. So could you talk to us a little bit about specifically power planning? Because I know that's one role in financial planning that people love to do that as their um, their long-term career path. Power planning can be very rewarding and can pay quite well as well. So for anyone who's not too sure what the power planner does in a financial planning business, could you share with us a little bit about that? So look, it varies from dealer group to dealer group in terms of their roles and responsibilities, but broadly, you know, a power planner will often be really involved in the development of strategies so they gain an understanding of the client. Um, through the advisor and then I'll go away and develop strategy making sure it um, is obviously compliant and you know is technically accurate and for a lot of uh, power planners they're also involved in the, the the development of the statement of advice so it's ticking a couple of boxes with respect to technical capabilities but then also your written communication skills making sure that the SOA is laid out in a way that the client understands. And I've known people for you know many years that are you know, really fulfilled in that power planning space because it, um, it, it really ticks the box for them in terms of the, the technical aspects of advice and the technical aspects of advice are you know, wide and varied and constantly changing. You know, the budget every year, superannuation tax, Centrelink is often uh, addressed. Um, so it's, it's a constantly changing environment, constant, constantly stimulated by that technical space. And, you know, there's, there's some great long-term careers in, in power planning available to people if that's their chosen path. Yeah, and I've spoken to a lot of power planners who, who love financial planning, but they're just not so big on actually having that face-to-face client interaction every day. So power planning is a good middle ground. What kind of person would you say suits a power planning role? You need to have a really strong attention to detail. Um, so the advisor will often do all of the discovery and, and gather the information and then you need to piece it together, having that strong attention to detail to making sure you're meeting the client's got goals and objectives and the advice that you're providing is both technically accurate and, and compliant. So 
you know, for those that have a really analytical mind um, and have that strong attention to detail, paraplaning can be a really rewarding career for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to ask you as well, just with your experience and maybe the experiences you've heard from the advisors that you've worked with, um, I know that you mentioned just then with paraplaning, what you do in that role can vary depending on where you work. Uh, if you say, for example, if you work for a sole uh, a one advisor business, you might be doing a lot of admin work, a lot of the research, a lot of actually putting documents together. Um, but in your experience, what kind of differences have you seen with working for smaller businesses versus larger firms? For someone who's coming out of uni and is wanting to make sure that they're getting the best training, what can they do to ensure that they're going to be supported in their workplace, whether that's a small firm or a larger firm? So I think it's really important to ask questions, firstly, of who you're um, interviewing with or pursuing a career with, just in terms of the level of support that you may receive. Now, from my experience, there are pros and cons to small dealer groups and uh, large dealer groups. Obviously, the pro uh, with smaller dealer groups is you often you're a jack of all trades and you get exposure to lots of different things pretty quickly. For the larger dealer groups, you know, obviously with the economies of scale that they've got, there may be more career pathing that occurs um, and there might, might be more specialisation that, that might occur with those sort of organisations. But I think it's really important for people you know, beginning their careers is just to ask some questions around the type of support um, from a career development perspective that you would receive and what they've done historically. It's always good to have an evidence-based discussion. So can they give examples of people similar to yourself who have moved through the, the different career stages with the firm um, and be really upfront around, you know, if you've got it clear in your mind about what you're looking to achieve from your career. Um, and have an open con uh, conversation about that. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I know that there's more than just financial planning, client services and power planning. So for anyone who's not had that experience working in financial planning yet, I'm sure there are many roles that they're not completely familiar with. So I'd love to ask you about those ones. Firstly, could you talk to us a little bit about, obviously compliance is a huge part of financial planning and, and more so now than ever. What kind of roles are there out there for someone who might be interested in the compliance side of financial planning? Yeah, it's probably the fastest growing area of the industry at the moment, compliance and remediation. So there's lots of roles available and that can go all the way from, um, you know, someone that's doing data collection into advice assurance and compliance checking. And, you know, there are you know, significant leadership roles available for people who choose that sort of career path where you could, you know, look as a, a compliance manager all the way up to chief risk officer for some larger organisations if um, if that's the career path that, that people are looking to take. I think if you're able to wrap your head around the regulations and the intent of the regulations and, again, have a really strong eye for detail, uh, then a compliance career it can be really rewarding for people. And as I said, there are lots of roles out there at the moment. And I, I can't see that changing anywhere into the future. Yeah, I totally agree. Another one that I think a lot of people who work in financial planning are going to deal with um, are BDMs or business development managers. So those corporate roles out there, could you explain a little bit about what those people do and what kind of person might suit those roles? Yeah, so, you know, they take on various forms, you know, business development managers or employee relations managers, depending on the type of institution you're working for. But effectively, it's a, it's a relationship type manager where you're 
working with either you know individuals or an employer group to you know understand their value proposition and what they're looking to achieve and introduce them to the services uh, offered by the service provider. Um, so you're maintaining relationships. Um, you know, I think someone that's pretty gregarious in nature um, has you know ease of communication style and um, can converse widely with diverse groups would be someone suited to business development. There are lots of fulfilling pathways similar to the compliance, one that I just laid out for business development managers. And equally, we're, we're seeing an increasing number of ex-advisors go into that path um, who aren't necessarily looking to complete the foresee requirements. So the, the competition in the business development space, I think, has increased a bit over the last uh, number of years. But if you can demonstrate you know, a track record of being able to build, sustain relationships, generate new business opportunities. Um, I think employees would be keen to look at, you know, people entering the um, financial services industry or the financial planning industry um, who have that education background, but equally a, a desire to engage with people and, and build relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And then in my experience, I've mainly worked for smaller businesses. So the kind of levels of management I've seen are practice managers. So the people who essentially manage the office and make sure everything's running. And then usually the directors of the company as well. But I know for your experience, you've worked with some super funds and a lot of bigger corporate organizations. So could you talk us through some of the, I guess, management roles that might be avail available in the corporate world of financial planning? Yeah, so the practice manager role um, is one, as you describe, effectively it's the day-to-day -day running and responsibility of maintaining and managing uh, an office or could be a series of offices depending on the size of the organisation. Uh, you often hear that interchangeably with regional managers or advice delivery managers. Um, now, some practice manager roles won't require the supervision of advice, typically a regional manager role or advice delivery manager role would require first line supervision of advice in addition to managing the day-to-day -day operations of the office or, or series of offices. Um, so I would say that's the first step from a leadership perspective uh, in financial advice would be to become either a practice manager or regional manager. My first regional manager role, as I mentioned, um, was in a very small office, it was our smallest office in the company up in Tamworth and moved the family from Sydney to Tamworth to pursue that opportunity. It was a great foray into leadership and, and management and they're two different things obviously. Um, but yeah, some, some really fulfilling career opportunities for those that are that way inclined and want to continue their career. Mm -hmm. Equally, I've seen people you know, have 30, 40 year careers in the provision of advice and being a financial advisor who haven't wanted to take that step. So there are, there are lots of different career paths depending on what your ambitions are. Yeah, absolutely. And then one thing I also thought would be worth mentioning because there wasn't too much exposure to this at university, but a lot of people when they think of financial planners, they think of uh, someone who covers super, insurance, investments, tax and, and they cover everything but there actually are different areas of specialization out there so for myself for example at the moment I'm working uh, just in 
life insurances. And that's what I'm specializing in now. And I know that there are many um, advisors out there who just specialize in that, or perhaps they specialize only in superannuation. Um, Could you talk to us about some of the specialties you've seen in your experience? Yeah. So there are are lots and similar to doctors where you might have a general practitioner and then be referred on to a specialist who is dealing with that particular issue you know, on, a, on a daily basis. You, you gain increased confidence often by dealing with someone who specialises in a particular area. So the, the life insurance, self-managed super funds, another aged care, um, and I think that's an increasing area for people to pursue just given the demographic in Australia, ageing population. We have seen a decrease in the number of people engaging with aged care as a result of COVID-19, but I do think that points to a, a demand bubble that is that is coming. Um, so we're seeing a, a large number of people looking to specialise in aged care uh, as well. Um, and I've seen planners you know, move into that specialisation because they want to really get deeper knowledge on a particular area, and that's the area of their passion and they're really dedicated to that particular purpose. So that often leads to you know, significant career fulfilment. I think um, building good relationships for referrals is really important in any areas of specialisation. So I'd encourage people to think about, you know, in all aspects of financial advice, just the relationships you build and make sure you've got a really strong referral network. Yeah, for sure. And I know for a lot of my peers who have come out of university and they've stepped into their first roles in financial planning, a lot of them have gone to superannuation funds and they become a advisor for that superannuation fund or perhaps a phone-based advisor as well. And from what I've seen, there's a lot of really great training and support in those kind of roles. Um, and I know you've had firsthand experience working with people who are doing that as well. So could you talk me through a little bit about what it would involve to be a financial planner who is employed by, for, say, for example, a superannuation fund. What kind of things are you covering in that role? Yeah, so it's an increasing area um, of advice, um, the intra-fund space. So effectively, if you're an intra-fund advisor for a super fund, you're providing advice on the member's interest in that fund and you're limited to a range of topics that you can cover. So typically that's superannuation insurance asset allocation. If it increases in complexity, um, you often have to refer on to a comprehensive advisor and that's because of the charging mechanism for intra-fund advice. So intra-fund advice was introduced by the Labor government way back when to increase advice access to members because they didn't want the cost of advice to be a prohibitor in, in terms of people accessing advice. So it's collectively charged across the fund and from a training perspective, I think it's a great uh, entry into limited personal advice and the education requirements are the same. So you're providing personal advice to people. Um, so you, you need to be um, obviously FASIA compliant and um, the education levels for all advisors are, are the same. So for often it's, it's a good way for people to um, get that entry into the advice space in an increasing area. So as the comprehensive advice industry has been challenged, we've seen a real increased focus on the provision of intra-fund advice via super funds as they try to tackle the increased access and competition for services via super funds. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really interesting uh, area of, of financial planning and a really good option for those who are looking to get that experience with clients and also get that 
um, support and training from the bigger organisations for sure. What, what one point I'd make is, Ari, is often there's a, a, a misconception with people around phone advice and they potentially see it as a, a lower um, provision of advice than the, the face-to-face. It's actually, in my experience, it's, it's actually a great way to build your skills because, you know, you're really focused on listening to the client, building your skills over the phone, where the face-to-face advice can pick up on those body language cues. Um, so I've, I've found in my experience people who've gone through that, that different channel, whether it's phone or VC advice, it's a really good way to build your skills in in advice. And if you want to move into face-to-face advice, then I think that's a great way to springboard into it. And equally, if you want to remain in that space, I do believe there will be an increased propensity for people to take advice over the phone and via video conferencing as we've seen through COVID. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the beauty of financial planning is that there are so many different options out there. So for the business I work for now, um, even prior to COVID, their business was completely online. So all of our clients, we meet via Zoom, we don't have a central office. Um, And that's just reflects, I guess, the times. A lot of people, they don't want to have to come into an office and get changed and take time out of work. It's all about convenience for some people. So I mean, in saying all of this, we've talked about the different types of roles and the different types of financial planner that you can be. And I imagine for someone listening who's maybe still studying, it could be overwhelming and they might be thinking, well, how do I know where to start? What advice would you give someone, maybe a graduate who is ready to get into financial planning um, and is maybe wanting to figure out what kind of role might suit them? Look, I think it's really important to reflect on your own strengths and have that honest conversation uh, with yourself and that can be difficult, you know, without that exposure to being in a role. Um, so talk to as many people as you possibly can. Gain as much experience as you can through other people's learnings and mistakes. Um, it's, it's often the best way to learn is via other people's mistakes rather than making them yourself. So mm-hmm. I would talk to as many people as you can across the industry, really gain an understanding of their experiences so what were the what were the challenges how did they overcome those obstacles um ask for feedback uh, as well would you be well suited to that sort of role um are there any identifiable gaps are there things that you would need to work on and one of the best things you can do and i was lucky enough i had um, a really dedicated mentor way back when one of the best things you can do is if possible seek out a mentor someone that can help with your development and is um, invested in you becoming successful in your career. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And for yourself, Ben, you've been a great help, I'm sure, to anyone who's listening to this episode and is looking to get into financial planning. So thank you so much for for joining us on the podcast. Very welcome. Thanks, Zanara. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Future Financial Planners podcast, brought to you by the Financial Planning Association of Australia. For great resources and a free student membership, find us at fba.com.au. Good advice makes for great futures.